Hi everybody, this introduction is about 20 seconds long, which means this is a perfect time for you to wash your hands. This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies, which means that unless your hospital's administrative staff has an acapella band, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor after washing your hands. Hi everybody, I'm Jackson Day. I'm Johnny Kolakinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Socially Distanced Distortion, a look at quarantine procedures in punk bands in the 1990s. Oh, that's a good one. This is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week, well, almost every week, we oh, talk so. about what medicine, what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. And this week, we are coming to you from two different locations because uh, we are socially isolating as much as possible. Socially distancing as much as possible to keep this um, huge thing under wraps. I mean, we're, we're recording from California, so we actually got a stay-in-place order from the governor. Yep. Not to go anywhere for the next, what, two weeks at least? I, I, I really don't know. Katie and I, my wife, were doing it anyway except for work. And you and I and Katie, like, we all still have to go into work. You obviously are a doctor. Yeah. Uh, they're kind okay. of important right now. Working in the ER where we are running low on stuff, um, mainly uh, personal protective equipment. Um, so that's real fun. So nothing makes me happier when I walk out into public and see people wearing masks and stuff uh, that doctors should be wearing or nurses should be wearing. But not only that, but wearing it really inappropriately, too, like not fully protecting their face. Because if you wear one of those masks correctly, you will not be able to breathe after about 10 to 15 minutes. Well, but then they feel like they're doing it wrong. So obviously. Now, you want to you want to make it so hard to breathe that no germs can get in. That's how you. But we should be talking about um, actually this week's episode does fit with what we've been or what we're all going through right now. Yeah. But before that, you want to plug some social yeah. media stuff. So you can find this podcast online at HiEverybodyMD.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally Instagram at HiEverybodyMD. We'll try to be better about that. Or you can also call us on our hotline at 530-DOCTOR. The B this week stands for, good, I don't know, bargaining, I guess, because yeah. it will be one of the five stages of grief we'll talk about. <laughs> so, um, we should plug that people should try to continue writing uh, reviews on Apple podcasts and yeah. giving ratings on there too because apparently we hit a big milestone where we actually made a chart yeah we've been uh do, we're uh doing pretty well we're one of the top 250 uh podcasts in tv and film on chartable so that's pretty cool uh this, this week is going to be a little lower because it took us some time to record also yes. apologies for the uh less than stellar recording we'll keep working on making it better yeah, we have to, there are a lot of kinks to get out yeah. of this episode, but we'll get through it. We'll still provide the same crappy content that we yeah. should. Yeah, the content's just as awful, but now the audio quality matches. So speaking of content, this week's episode is what? This week we are talking about uh, Scrubs again, uh, the episode My Cabbage, uh, which is season five, I want to say episode 17, did we say? Episode 12 and 13. Episode 12 and 13. Uh, yep. which you add them up and subtract some numbers adds up to 17. Uh, My Cabbage, and what was the name of the second episode? I uh, 
It was my five stages. My five stages, as in five stages of grief. So, Jackson, you picked out the you picked out just my cabbage when we were talking about doing it this week, and why is that? Well, it does kind of touch on why we're doing all of this social distancing and why we're sitting in two distinctly different places in San Diego right now. But kind of the premise is um, cabbage. The cabbage and the my cabbage is referencing to a an intern that JD really likes. Mm-hmm. Um, he is terrible. He's probably one of the worst like doctors that I've seen work there since the one that ended up becoming a pathologist because he killed so many people. Yeah, uh, that's the one who ended up in the morgue. Was that Doug? Murphy or something like that. I forgot mm-hmm. the name. Um, but yeah, he ended up working in the morgue as a pathologist because he killed so many people. He recognized causes of death in patients or what sickness they had that led them to doing that. So yeah. Um, so I, I guess the, the big thing that that drew you to it was one of the first scenes when we had the crow in the hospital, uh, Sanchez, uh, who, uh, that leads to Dr. Kelso in a rare moment of being a good doctor talking about how contagion spreads in a hospital. Yeah, and Dr. Calso, for all intents and purposes, is a good doctor, but he has to think about the business side all the time, which is weird for a chief medical person, no, chief of medicine to think about, because usually that's like a chief medical officer or CEO to think about. Mm-hmm. And we've but, talked about that before. Yeah, and Dr. Calso does a lot considering how bad he has to be, and he realizes he has to be the bad guy and ultimately dumps it on someone else, mm-hmm. basically. But he does show how, in fact, it's kind of a nice way how they show infections are spread. So someone sneezes and then it turns into a handshake and it's just transmitted through these green kind of like glows, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Using the height of 2003 CGI. Yeah. I mean, they did something like this in Mythbusters too, where uh, they had, I think Adam had a drippy nose the whole time and was just wiping it. But that drippy nose was clear until they turned on the black light, and that's pretty much what it looked like, was everyone was green. Mm-hmm. And they they showed that he sneezed, um, there was hand t- shakes, touching of a shoulder, and then um, it, it the Todd walks in, talking about his like wild night in Chinatown, and just had green all over the place. Yeah. It was just like on his nose on his mouth, on his, like, genital region. I mean, it spreads and it stays there for a little bit. But I guess when it drives to later in the episode, it, it shows that the bird never got kind of, I guess, never they were never really removed the bird. Mm-hmm. They let, the, they, the janitor set him free. The janitor did set him free after having him play dead and let uh, Kelsa poke him in the eye and he didn't move. But um, one of the gloves in the hospital had germs on it. And then um, the cabbage, the bad intern, picks it up, throws it into the hazard bin, doesn't wash his hands, touches the good patient, telling her like how much he liked her as a patient. Then she touches her face, mm-hmm. and then and then she dies. Right. Which is kind of drives home the point of don't touch your face. Yeah. Because I think that's like one of the big things that keep on driving home, right? Is don't touch your face. Yeah. Even I- though. I actually, you haven't seen me other than on on Skype. I shaved. I didn't shave my beard because I knew that I would be touching my face even more if I did. But I trimmed it down to as short as possible. To be fair, if you washed your hands really well before you touched your face, you can touch your face. Mm-hmm. It's, but um, 
that lady straight up shook the hand and then just put her hands on her face, kind of like, almost like she was breathing him in. Mm-hmm. And then she got infected, too. Um, so, yeah, don't touch your face right now unless you wash your hands really well or at least <laughs> hand sanitizer for a while. And that was, like, the big thing about this whole episode is just showing how easy, how easily it is for diseases to spread, even throughout a whole hospital where you think everyone would be clean and whatnot, where in reality, the hospital is the best place to get sick. Right. And that's, that's one of the reasons that they're – I – like my understanding, it's one of the reasons we have the shelter in place order is not just to keep people from getting infected with COVID-19, but if everybody's staying home, hopefully they're not getting into bar fights and car crashes and uh, falling and breaking their knee on rollerblades. Yeah. Like, don't be like my patient, like a few days ago, who went to a huge party with hundreds of people and then ended up in the ER because they were worried they got the virus. Yeah. Which means that, you know, even if they didn't get the virus, they could have been exposed to something else hanging out in the ER for four hours. Yeah, I mean, and we try our best to separate everyone. I don't know if anyone listening to this has gone, well, probably a good number of people have gone to the ER recently, but now we're all triaging people before they even walk into our waiting room. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you're not that sick, we try to shove you or shunt you towards a nicer, or not a nicer, but an area where there aren't a bunch of sniffly uh truly people, but instead, like, you're just around not as contagiously ill people. Like, it's much more of an ordeal now than it's ever been, at least in my years of practice. I've never seen this before. Um, what's, what's your opinion of Cabbage? Would you rather have a technically incompetent do- uh, uh, intern, or would you rather have the resident? Oh, God. Um... Honestly, I can teach a technically incompetent intern. I can't break a cocky intern. It's really hard. Like, it's one of those things where sometimes those people who are really just bad interns, you can try to teach them and try to change their habits a little bit. And that was like the next thing I was going to bring up was like, Cabbage did a lot of weird stuff that I would not expect a doctor to do. Like, put a bunch of candy around a bunch of suppositories. That was bad. Not medical advice, but... But, like, he put a mic and mic up someone's butt instead of a suppository, and you would think that should that should be common sense not to put a bunch of round pill-shaped candy next to something that's going to go up someone's rectum. And JD says it caused someone septic shock because of it. It's really hard to get septic shock from mic and mic. Okay. Um, unless it was like in someone else's mouth or butt first, and then you put it in someone else's butt with a tear that's immunocompromised, it's really hard. What about like a Sour Patch Kid? Ooh, that's going to burn. Yeah, more likely. That's, or a hot tamale. <laughs> Gotta remember, those hot tamales can really hurt too. Hot tamales aren't that bad though. Because they got that coating outside, but once you bite through it, the cinnamon kind of burns. Yeah. I mean, I eat a lot of spicy food, and I, I, cinnamon burn is different from, like, spicy burn. And I, I'm just fine with, with cinnamon burn, and this is the content people are, are subscribing for, by the way. Uh, but, it like, it's the hot, like, spicy, spicy that gets yeah. to me. The, the, oh, my God, this is going to be a painful morning. Yes. Yeah. Um, but back to Cabbage, they also mentioned that he was really bad at reading x-rays. Mm-hmm. He read one of the x-rays backwards. 
I laughed and, out loud there. Well, I mean, it is a callback to their intro or their credits, opening credits, which are always backwards. But that actually does happen in real life. Um, <laughs> I had one patient that I thought had dextrocardia, which means the heart is on the wrong, on the right side instead of on the left side. And I was freaked out. And then eventually the radiologist called and said, oh, they accidentally put it backwards. And I said, can you just get a repeat x-ray just to make sure? Because I don't trust anybody right now. I'm not sure if that heart's on the right side. So how nowadays are, are they still printing out the x-rays and not? No, that's right. There are certain hospitals that still print out their x-rays. And I hate that because I can't zoom in and look at stuff. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they're all computer because you can do a lot more things with images on the computer, like zoom in, invert them. You can kind of change the contrast to make things kind of pop out a lot more. So a lot of times when I do get printed films, it's either patients from Mexico Mm -hmm. who went to TJ to get their care or like hospitals in the middle of nowhere that still use printed x-rays or CTs. Um, and what is it? Dextrocardia, you said, right? Yeah. So dextro means right, cardia means heart. So right-sided heart. Uh, is it generally just the heart that's on the other side, or would it be an entire inverse flipping of all all of your your goodies? Oh, sometimes you can actually have something called situs inverses, mm-hmm. which means your whole body's flipped. So organs that should be on the right side or on the left side, and vice versa. I so, think that'd be more common. Not really. Like yeah. usually. With dextrocardia, or sorry, situs inverses have other issues too, like some kind of chromosomal abnormality. Mm-hmm. It's common ones like something called Cartagener syndrome, which is just me digging through my med school knowledge. And I've only seen maybe five cases of it in my entire time as a doctor. Okay. But it's a rare thing, but it's kind of funny. Because um, the, they'll trick you. Um, you'll listen to their heart. I remember I had one patient who had something called SVT where the heart rate was in the 200s mm-hmm. and started an IV in the arm closest to their heart. So, you know, standard person, I would start the IV in their left arm or have someone start an IV in their left arm. And then after we pushed the medication, the reason why we started in the left side or in the side closest to the heart is the medicine has a half-life of seconds. So the minute you push it in, it's pretty much breaking down already. So you want to get get it to the heart and then moving around the bo- the rest of the body as soon as possible. Yeah. So we didn't know that the kid had dextrocardia. So we put it in left arm and we push it really hard. Didn't work the first time. So then the mom just goes, oh, yeah, his heart's on the wrong side. I'm like, come on. That sucks. So then we gave a double dose and it actually worked anyways. But we were really frustrated <laughs> because the worst part was the nurse was starting the IV in the right arm. And I said, hey, you guys, this is SVT. Where should we start the line? And they go, oh, you're right, the left arm. Ah, and I sounded a total jackass because I corrected a correct thing. Right. Yeah. Were the, were the nurses aware of the? No. Okay. They forgot. They didn't realize it too. And then when they said dextrocardia, we all just looked at each other, going, ah, oh, damn are the it. Odds? Yeah. The 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 one time the nurse started on the right side uh, was the correct side, so it was a good. Made me feel pretty bad that we I corrected them but also eh it's all right yeah yeah um, uh, I was going to mention one other thing was uh JD asking Dr. Cox for a pen um uh, people in the medical field can definitely appreciate this one mainly because pens are one of the most valuable commodities in medicine okay 
they get stolen a lot. So if I ever go to the ER, ER for something that's not a contagious issue, I should take a case of pens to be the favorite. Oh, you'd be pretty happy. Uh, we'd be pretty happy because like everyone's going, do you have a pen? Oh, I have the pen right here. Oh, it's gone now. And then it's always looking for a pen. So seeing JD holding Dr. Cox's pen and Dr. Cox says, don't lose my pen. And then who is it? Sanchez? Is that the yep. pen? Like, oh God, I know that feeling. Because then you have to give your pen back to the attending or someone higher up than you and you can't find it. Horrible feeling. Because mm-hmm. pens disappear by the end of the shift. No matter how hard you try to hang on to your pen, it will be gone by the end of your shift. That Without Makes sense to me, having waited tables for years. Yeah, they just go away. You don't know where they go. People steal them. Mm-hmm. For you, at least, you know people are like signing bills and whatnot. We don't know where ours go. Like, it just vanishes. So what I'm hearing is we should do the ass pen episode of uh, of Scrubs at some point. Oh, yeah. The ass pen and the ass ring? Yep. Yeah. Those two go together hand in hand. But, but. Oh, come on. They go together like <laughs> like a mouth and an anus and human centipede. They go together so well. But that's more like mouth to tailbone. Yeah. Remember, it wasn't quite ass to mouth at all. Nope. But this is a, I mean... And then I wrote something down. I'm trying to remember why I wrote this down. Remediation of interns versus... Oh. Oh, because he was looking for a reason to fire, to, to suspend an intern. Yeah, and it's... I mean, interns usually aren't so much fired. They're more remediated, which means, let's say they had a hard time through certain rotations. They have to redo those rotations. So, like, you still can fail residency. Mm-hmm. So if you got like a bad grade in residency, they'll make you redo a part of the residency. How it how frequently does that happen? It's rare because you it's like really crappy for you to start with one class and then graduate halfway like mm-hmm. after your class graduated. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's like you got pregnant or you had maternity leave or paternity leave. That's really the only other reasons why you would graduate after your class. But Graduating after a class because you suck is a terrible thing. So what I'm hearing is if you're having a really, really, really rough time in your residency, uh, that might be a good time to get knocked up or knock somebody up. Correct, because then you get to leave that one month or month and a half to two months rotation and not have to worry about it. But you do have to make it up later. Okay. And I know that happened with a few classes that I know of. Um, not just like, I think... In residency and fellowship, not so much in my fellowship itself, but like I knew of many people, actually a good handful of people that got held back like a month or two because they were not. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say that that babies happened. Well, babies happened too. Like in my class, babies happened. Um, But also I know other people in my residency program and in other programs and places I've trained at where people got held back. And it's really obvious too. What about, what about the other issue that we saw uh, with Keith and JD of your uh, – yeah, he, he's the fellow, right? JD Who? is? No, he's an attending. The attending. Um, yeah. Your attending just really doesn't like you. I had that happen. Okay. Yeah. I had one attending who basically told me because of where I came from that I was a lazy um, – doctor, even though he never saw me work before, mm-hmm. said I was a lazy doctor, didn't want to work, 
avoided work. And this was my first day and I haven't done anything yet, but it was solely based on where I came from for training. Yeah. I and, was going to ask, is that where you came from in California, where you came from uh, as a descendant or where you came from as, as your med school? Oh, no, no. Just from my residency, because we were rotating at another hospital. And he basically told me all this stuff that I was just lazy and horrible. And I was treat I was always treated as like the dumb resident the whole entire month, even though I was answering questions right on rounds. I worked really hard and all that stuff. It wasn't until at the end of the month when he actually acknowledged that I was actually an OK doctor, not a good doctor, mind you, because I wasn't one of his residents, but I was an OK doctor, which is why one of the drinks at your res at your wedding was the was OK doctor. Exactly. And he, oh, the funny part was he actually said, well, if you had been a resident at my hospital, you would have been a great doctor. And I said, mm, do I want to work at a place with you because you treated me like crap? I think I'd rather work at a different place and be happier. So, so. so that's the real, what a real Dr. Cox type relationships would be like. Except I don't respect him. Ah, it's a big difference. Like, I don't respect him. Like, other people might. I didn't because I got treated so crappily that I wasn't looking for his approval. You know, my whole thing was, let me finish this month so I can get out of here. <laughs> Work with people that actually appreciate my, like, you know, my go get it, go, I don't know what to say. My... Yeah, my moxie, my enthusiasm. I'd rather work where someone would appreciate me rather than work somewhere where someone was always constantly putting me down. Mm -hmm. And that was the situation. But also, it's kind of frowned upon, too, what Elliot did with Keith, and that's the whole reason why JD had an issue with Keith, right? Because cause, cause Elliot was sleeping with Keith. Right. Which is a no-no. Yeah. Like. A couple episodes later, we see the opposite of, of Elliot playing favorites to Keith. Yes, because she, she treats him like crap because they're hooking up. Mm -hmm. and, and then it turns around and she starts giving him all the good cases and things like that. And that's like the worst thing. Like I think that's like a big – and people talk. Mm -hmm. So like, word will spread really quick amongst their classmates and whatnot. No one's going to respect Keith. Like it's a pretty crappy situation that Keith is in too. Because mm -hmm. Elliot basically made him the favorite, and then Keith now has to face it with all of his classmates. And his classmates aren't going to respect that, so that kind of sucks. So yeah, bad, bad. That's almost like the closest thing that Grey's Anatomy they've done. Yeah. Season where Denise hooks up with the other surgical resident a lot. I don't even remember and, season, uh, who Denise is. Denise is uh, Joe. Is Joe? Eliza Coop. Okay. You should watch season eight. It's good. Yeah, it's been Actually, It's the last season that I... It's the last I, good season. Correct. Before the the car wreck that is uh, med school. Yeah. My... Uh, I'm, I'm rewatching it now, but I haven't got... I had not gotten to My Cabbage before we uh, <laughs> decided to record it. But My Cabbage is a good episode. Because yes, I mean, it shows how it's like when you do have a bad resident that you have to pick up the slack for, especially as an attending. Sometimes attendings will fall into a trap where like, oh, I trust all my residents. They're all going to do a good job. Where one, it only takes one really bad one to make you double guess or double think, second guess everybody just mm -hmm. so that it's all right. And that makes it really hard as an attending that you're supervising and 
they're your eyes and ears. And unfortunately, if you're half deaf because one of them is really bad, you can't do your job to the full capacity. Right. And it makes it hard because like residents will take a small portion of your caseload, but ultimately you have to, you're responsible for every single patient. Mm-hmm. Seeing a resident like Cabbage reminds me of some of my less than stellar residents that I have to pick up the slot for. And it, it hits home pretty hard. Moving on to the second episode, it's my five stages. So Mrs. Wilk, who is the favorite character, ultimately gets sick, and it looks like she got an incurable uh, infection of some sort. Yeah. I'm confused. (laughs) That was kind of my first question was, you know, they brought in kind of a palliative care doctor, kind of just a grief counselor. Yeah. uh, Kind of. Huh? It was more like a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they uh, they they brought that in, brought him in, but she was just dealing with a, I mean, just I say as we're dealing with a viral yeah. uh, issue right now, but she was dealing with a bacterial or viral infection, yeah, because it was something that was spread, and she was awake, coherent. I didn't see any real uh like. I'm- equipment that was acting as life support but they were saying yeah you're dying you're gonna yeah. die and you're gonna die soon no and that was weird because just because you're on palliative care which i think greg can explain this best um just because you're on palliative care or hospice care doesn't mean we gave up mm-hmm. you know you still have to do things that'll make you comfortable be it starting antibiotics if we need to if it's an it's a treatable infection um giving you oxygen, giving you morphine, controlling pain. It's really to help whatever you're going through be more comfortable. And it almost seemed like they just gave up and didn't do anything. They just put some oxygen on her face, hooked her up to the monitors and said, okay, here you go. And she looked pretty good for someone who they said is going to die right away. Mm -hmm. Like she, I would expect her to have like some kind of symptom to prompt them bring her back in. Right, she had nothing at all Uh, other than whatever whatever it was. I mean, the only the only thing I can think of would be whatever it was that she was in there for the first place left her so immunocompromised. But then, I assume that they would still be doing more than than just tossing an oxygen mask on her and yeah. They basically just said like, oh, she's. She's a multi-organ failure, and then they just let her be and let her die. And usually that can be kind of painful, you know? Your organ's shutting down, you're not getting flow, you're basically in septic shock, you have fever, you're going to get air hungry because if your lungs are failing, you're not breathing super well. So, like, all those together, the fact that she didn't have an IV to give her medications, that was kind of mean on their point. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a little off. I didn't think that was super accurate on what they did. But then the other thing that I noticed too was they have her hooked up onto the monitor. And when she started to die, like she just kind of went from a normal heart rate to asystole. Like Mm -hmm. that's not how it happens though. A lot of the time. Um, I've seen patients kind of go and die before in my career. And usually the heart rate slows down because the heart gets more tired. Um, And then you go into something called PEA, which is like, uh, pulseless electrical activity. So you'll still see beats on the monitor, but the heart's not working. Yeah. 
I, I think we t- we've talked about that before too. Yeah. And then it goes into like some, sometimes before that it'll go into a weird rhythm, but then you go into PEA and then eventually the heart kind of just makes maybe one beat every minute. So you actually see like a heart rate of one and then eventually it just stops completely. But, and it can also be just electrical activity firing, but the heart's not moving at all. So it's never that clear cut where they go from beep, 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 and then just a flat line. It uh-huh. takes a while and the, the cardiac rhythm looks very sick, I guess is the easiest way to describe it. Cause it does. It just looks like the heart's tired out. It's done. It's just slow. The volume's getting slowly turned down instead of a switch turned off. Mm-hmm. That's way to think about it yeah but that episode i mean the first episode my cabbage i appreciated it more than the my five stages okay so it, it, that that one felt more that one felt more like dramatic for the sake of being dramatic more than anything okay yeah um yeah i, I didn't have i mean it was a to me, it was a good episode of Scrubs, but it didn't seem like a medical, intensely no. medical episode of Scrubs. For a comedy, it was intensely dramatic. Uh-huh. At least for that episode. Compared to, like, My Cabbage, where there's a lot of hijinks and whatnot, this one had very low hijinks. And that makes sense, because it was the second part of a two-parter. And this one definitely had more of the emotional weight than anything. Was this the first time we saw a to-be-continued on Scrubs? I'm, I know we're not gonna really going to be able to answer that accurately sure. one way or the other but i can't think of another one there are more later on okay like the one that i can think of right off the bat is on season eight where the janitor goes to the bahamas to get married very low on medical on that one but that one definitely is a two-parter i don't know why i knew that right off the bat but that's <laughs> i've watched a lot of scrubs in my career but yeah so yeah um well i guess it from there we're gonna Go on to most important question. Okay. Uh, which is, well, and we'll treat them as a whole at first. You want to do one, you want me to grade it both of them? Yeah, we'll do it as, you know, no, let's do one on one. So we've got, people have time. They can yeah. live a little longer. Uh, <laughs> so the first question I have is that. The human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. Yeah. If that's the case, how medically accurate is Scrubs Season 5, Episode 12, My Cabbage? Um, okay. So the transmission of germs and all that stuff is super important. Uh, pretty accurate there because it goes pretty quick. Um, the pen, the pen commentary. I know that's not medicine, but hospital life-wise, super true. Um I mean, it's fairly accurate. I will say it's more accurate than um, the human centipede. We need to start on our website just ranking where our accuracies are yeah. so I can go to that and figure out where exactly it's compared to other things. That's a That might be the quarantine project. <laughs> um, I would say it's probably about 140, 150. Right. It's yeah. definitely more. I mean, it's one and a half times more accurate than the human centipede. All right. Uh, what about episode 13, My Five Stages? It, this one's a little tougher. I mean, in terms of the grief and stuff like that, I mean, those are well-documented kind of stages of grief, the denial, anger, bargaining, grief, acceptance. I don't see people exactly go through those stages. People just, 
to be fair, in the ER, I get to pretty much bargaining, maybe sometimes grief, but rarely acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're there for you're because if you're with someone for 24 hours, that's you might rarity. see. It. Yeah, I don't really take care of them that long. Um, so, but then with the whole death and the heart rate and how I'm managing this really sick patient. It's, it's probably as accurate as the human centipede. Okay. Like, I'd say it's 100%. I don't think it's less accurate than the human centipede because no one's getting their butts done to a mouth. But, no pun intended, um, there's a lot of things that could be better in this. Just like the human centipede, there's a lot of things that could be done more accurately. <laughs> I can't believe I justify it. Terrible. So, yeah. All right. Um Anything specifically you would do to raise the stakes and make it more accurate? Yeah. Keep the um, time making it more accurate. My cabbage really kind of nailed it, though, with the whole bad intern kind of thing, potentially getting other people sick. I mean, that's the biggest thing that we always um, kind of harp on our residents is don't do something unless you know how to do it and don't be afraid to ask for help. And you can tell, like, cabbage was trying to impress JD by not wanting to ask for help and trying to do everything by himself, but potentially hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always one thing that you'll see with other subspecialties is they'll try to dive head in or head first, not ask for help. And that's how you get people sick. So that's actually a shockingly realistic thing and kind of scary. So you don't really need to change much on that. Cause that's going to keep the stakes pretty high. Um, whereas from my five stages, to increase the stakes. I mean, she's septic. You can kind of move things around and have the people moving quickly. Starting an IV is not always a bad thing to do, but kind of showing her sick being brought back in would make it more realistic and kind of hammer the point home. Because really, in that episode, she didn't have that many lines. Yeah. Coming in really sick and tired wouldn't have changed anything, really. Because all she said was, I feel cold. And then she hung out on the rooftop beach. And that was really all she did in that whole entire episode, other than lie there with a face mask on. So if they had brought her in in septic shock or something, maybe they wouldn't have been able to take her on the beach and Ted wouldn't have been buried in sand, I guess. So that one storyline would have gone. But at least it would paint the gravity of how sick she got because of Cabbage's one mistake. Um, And that's the way to drive home. I, I know that this is likely not something that you see often because, again, in your specialty, you're with patients for hours as opposed to extended yeah. period of time. Yeah. Uh, and I know that setting up a rooftop beach would be an extreme. But yeah. uh, as far as those little above it, like going into, I think, the episode after this one or the one one after that, uh, going the extra mile for patients as far as just doing out of the ordinary things like that. Is that something that, that would happen often or is that something that, that, that people are too overworked to really do a, it's, it's rare when something that big happens, especially from staff. Like I thought the closest thing I can think of was there was this one kid who posted up uh trapped in room, send pizza. Mm-hmm. And- Everyone on the internet sent them pizza, so it was a lot of coordination of bringing pizza for that one kid. Um, but really, I mean, 
I'm trying to think when I was a resident, because that's the most I worked inpatient. We didn't do that much. Like, sometimes I would go back and visit patients that I liked and just, like, hung out and talked for a little while. I remember I did wheelchair races one time. Um, but something that above and beyond, that's really tough. Yeah. Or like uh, JD shaving his head. This was in the the episode. I want to say it was two episodes later. That's not an uncommon thing. Okay. Uh, I've seen a few nurses do that for some um, patients that they liked. So that's not too uncommon, but building a whole beach and stuff, pretty uncommon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, nah. Yeah. Also, this is a lady who's amino, like, who's septic and amino compromised. Don't take her outside. Or it, it, with with buckets of imported sand. Yeah, that's germs. And especially if it came from like Miami Beach or all those partiers were. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. No, thank you. You're basically just trying to speed up her death. Yeah. I'll just bury her in that sand already. <laughs> Honestly, come on. We'll get dug on that. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh. Anything else? To, so I've got a couple non-episode questions to ask. Yeah. Just. Uh, but anything else we want to talk about on no, no, I think I hit all the things that I wanted to hit. My my notebook is is trash, so yeah, cool. it's all torn up. Yeah. Um, so, just questions that have come up from my family. Uh, okay. So we've seen a little bit of hey, sew mask covers, um, like cloth mask covers, <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Is that a thing that, like, a, hey, you can sew these mask covers and donate them to a hospital? We're not going to wear them. You're not going to wear them? Okay. No. The reason why is I don't know where those are from. Mm-hmm. I don't, they're not going to work because they will work with small par- or larger particles. But if it's like a COVID patient, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You need a 95 mask because that actually seals much tighter, especially around the mouth. Um, so odds are, we won't wear them in the ER, especially because we're such high risk. Like I, we agree, we appreciate the sentiment quite a bit, um, but unfortunately, it's good for patients. It's not so healthcare workers. Okay. Yeah. Um, and another question. This was just me talking to my dad before we recorded. Um, mm-hmm. So obvi- there's one of the things that we saw in Italy was that there's so many patients that they're out of ventilators. Yeah. Um, would things like a CPAP or a, or a, a BiPAP machine be a not obviously not a solution, but a uh-huh. tool that could be used as a as a last ditch? We don't have ventilators measure. So not a respiratory, not a pulmonologist, or not a respiratory therapist. Okay. But the big concern is if you have a patient that's kind of uptunded and what not like out of it okay. really listless, lethargic. I don't want to use the term lethargic because that's almost like comatose. Mm-hmm. If you have a patient that's really like tired, not able to control their secretions, nauseous, you don't want to do BiPAP on them because if they throw up, ah. you're going to shove those down. If they, they have respirate, a... Yeah. yeah, you're going to shove that down their lungs. Um, the reason why you're using a ventilator is you're basically taking over their whole breathing. Mm-hmm. A BiPAP still requires you to take a breath to initiate the pressure. Okay. So BiPAP, you're still conscious and able to breathe okay and kind of control your breathing a little bit. A ventilator will take over your breathing completely because right. you 
we'll put a tube down your throat. The tube is below the vocal cords. We blow up a balloon. That way the air is forced directly into your lungs. And the other part with BiPAP is you're blowing air into your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. The air can't decide where to go. It can go down your esophagus. It could go down your throat. Right. If it eventually goes down your esophagus enough, it's going to blow up your belly. Yeah, and could just cause more problems. And if you blow up your belly, that means it's a and then it has to release somehow. You vomit. Right. Also, if you blow up your stomach or your intestines enough, you're not going to be able to move your diaphragm. Right, which is going to make breathing harder. Okay. I figured there would be a reason. I just wanted to know what it was. Yep. There's your COVID five minutes, I guess, yeah. on the end of this podcast. Just in this time and age, just double check what your, your information you're getting. I mean, double check what I'm saying, too, just to make sure I'm... But it's so easy to get misled with whatever information you get on social media and all that stuff, too. So just double check everything, especially now when everything's really scary and you don't know what's going on. It's really easy to be tricked that you're going to be locked down and the, the military are going to hold you down or that this this illness isn't as sick or isn't as bad as the people on TV are saying. I mean, I I will say this, like in the beginning, I didn't know if it was going to be this bad. Yeah. I didn't think it would be. And now you can see how bad it was in Italy and that we are slowly lagging behind. Yeah. Or not closely lagging behind, I should say. So double check all the information out there. Don't be fooled um, by what you hear all the time. Just get get it from reputable sources. That's the most important thing. That, that will be the medical advice that okay. even we say we don't get medical advice, that will be my medical advice. That and wash your hands and if you really can, stay on it. Like, just think about grandma. Think about grandma and grandpa. Just stay home. Keep them safe because when you visit them, they might get what you get. So just, just stay home. Keep them safe. That's uh, the and, and which essential oil do you recommend? So you know what's funny? I went to the store and the acetaminophen's gone. Ibuprofen's mostly gone. Emergency all gone. Essential oils, so much. America, I love you. Yeah, just stop it. The 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 fact that there's no emergency shortage of essential oils should give you a good idea about the efficacy of essential oils. But that's that is the most hopeful thing for our country I've heard in a long time. Yeah. Remember, essential oils doesn't mean you need it. It's just the essence of whatever you're using. I don't think people realize that. And someone offered that to me at work the other day. Um, it's like, oh, you look like you're feeling tired. Here's some essential oils. I'm like, get that out of my face. Like, I don't want this. This is terrible. I also don't want to be part of your MLM. Get that out. I don't need that. I'm good. I don't need more loans. I got a <laughs> student loans. I don't need more than that. We're good. Thank you. All right. Uh, with that, I think that that next week uh, or next episode, uh, we're going to record on the possibly more consistent schedule since we don't have to haul a microphone back and forth. Um, yeah. Who knows? Um, but next time you hear us, it's going to be something more lighthearted and less less related to COVID. But I know, Jackson, you really wanted to. I want to do something real stupid. Yeah. So. That's what we're going to do next time is something real dumb. Okay. Real fun because that's the root of this podcast yeah. is really stupid stuff. You haven't gotten, had the chance to get angry at, at at the television for this episode and a lo- for, for this podcast in a long time. And I'm sorry to that 
that our national emergency has deprived you of that. I know the bastard's a stupid virus. I just want to be angry about silly stuff again. And that's what we're going to try to do and try to return to normalcy. Um, so yeah, I think the talk, I yep. think remember, follow us on all the social media. And then if you get a chance and you listen to this podcast, rate us on Apple podcasts, and uh, tell your friends, tell your friends, it'll help us quite a bit just to spread the word. I think we were party over, over zoom. Yes. And then you can talk about how stupid we are in chat. That'll work. Too. That'll be perfect. I hate zoom by the way. That thing is the, the worst thing in the world. <laughs> That's how most of my meetings are being held right now. I hate Zoom. Uh, it sucks. My <laughs> wife will tell you the same thing. So. All right. Okay. All right. Well, Jackson, you and I will talk soon. Everyone else, yeah. you will hear us talk soon. And thank you for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Yeah. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.